We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty is Charged podcast. My name is Steven, and I have 11 career special teams tackles over here on my resume. Uh, in all seriousness, uh, joining me tonight are my guys, Tyler and Alex. Tyler, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing tonight? I could not believe that that was full <laughs> chest, said with all that pride that Emmanuel Acho had more tackles than Austin Eckler. He currently <laughs> has fewer tackles on his career then long snapper Josh Harris for the Chargers. Oof. For whatever reason, man, he's like, yeah, more than Austin Eckler. That's what I'm going to tweet today, which is more <laughs> than I have. But still, I wouldn't have gone out of the way to say I have more than Austin Eckler. I know. And he thought he, he thought he was being so funny when he said it was because Justin Herbert was throwing all these interceptions. And it turns <laughs> out all of them are from 2017 and 18 when he was actually playing special teams. And uh, mm -hmm. Philip Rivers was obviously the quarterback then. So mm -hmm. uh, very, very strange uh, social media interaction from somebody who uh, is continually straightened on social media. So uh, Alex is here as well, man. Alex, what's up? How are you doing tonight? Yeah, so I mean, I think Emmanuel Acho is officially crossing into Skip Bayless territory. For those who remember, uh, Skip Bayless bragging about his 1.4 points per game in high school to Jalen Rose on national television. So that's the type of territory we're in with Acho now. So glad that that's going to get a lot of attention this week. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I think it's pretty clear like what FS1 is trying to do with uh, Emmanuel Acho's career, and uh, that's a pretty good comparison there by Alex. So. Um, obviously, we are here to uh, preview the Chargers' upcoming matchup with the Miami Dolphins. I'm sure it's going to be a wonderful week on social media. Definitely not toxic at all. Um, but we are going to dive into just kind of the nitty-gritty of this matchup, as we always do. Um, before we get started there, I I feel like we kind of just need to do like a vibe check between the three of us uh, in regards to where, oh. where the Chargers are at right now. Um, just kind of talking about, you know, what has kind of transpired over the last few days. So um, I guess I'll start here. I, for whatever reason, like, you know, I played high school sports. I played college football for community college football for a year. And uh, I've just been conditioned for like this 24 hour rule, like my whole life, right? Like 24 hours is like, you just get over it. And uh, that is obviously, I've tried to carry that over for the chargers in my whole life as a fan. But this Raiders loss has stuck with me still today, three days later. And I just like, I can't stop not being frustrated by it. And watching the film back last night just made me even more frustrated again 
And so I felt like I needed to uh, talk about it with my guys and uh, kind of vent some more frustrations about what was uh, happening this week. I don't know if anybody else is doing that way. If you're, if you're in the chat and you feel that way as well, you know, feel free to let some stuff out. But uh, just watching the film back and, you know, we talked about the offense. We talked about a lot of the things on defense. The missed tackles on Sunday afternoon, man, it was just unreal. It was like, I think the Chargers had, like they had some good reps for sure against the run. Um, but there were like six or seven other opportunities where somebody on the Chargers defense had Josh Jacobs behind the line of scrimmage. And it ended up being like a nine yard gain or a 12 yard gain. And he was just making tackle, miss tackle here, miss tackle there. Like the numbers are not great, obviously. And I feel like they were worse than they actually are in terms of missed tackles. So um, that was definitely something that stood out to me from watching the film was just all of the missed opportunities within the game. And then obviously the game as a whole for from a missed opportunity standpoint from the Chargers. In terms of the vibe right now, on the way home from school today, I was thinking, yeah, that's kind of how I feel with with the game and that loss is that I just I haven't watched it. I haven't looked back on it. I haven't you know messaged my dad about it really or anything since we saw <laughs> like there's been nothing. And really that that loss to me not only did it feel like it, it killed the season for me and look, I'll still cheer for the charges this weekend. Don't get me wrong, but it just felt like not just really the end of the season, even though it statistically isn't, it just felt like the end of, and I talked about this on our post game show of my spark. Like I didn't care about chargers football this week, honestly, like I barely even wanted to do the show. Um, I, I'm on obviously for you guys and for everybody in the chat, but like talk about the chargers and preview them and, you look at the numbers, everything's terrible on offense. Everything's terrible on defense, except for the fact that the Chargers are somehow like 14th in points per game. But still, like everything is basically bad. Protection is bad. The run game is one of the worst in the league. The defense is terrible. It's historically bad, potentially, for Justin Herbert. The coaching's not great. The injuries are bad. The record's not great. You lose to the Raiders. The whole thing, man, just sucks. I'm not watching this game over. And as far as vibe check goes right now, my fandom is kind of taking a hit so far right now. Yeah, the vibes are pretty horrendous. Um, I just think it's funny that amongst the three of us, it was a different game that broke the three each of us. Uh, it was the Chiefs <laughs> game for Tyler. It was the Cardinals game for me. And then it was the Raiders game for Steven. Yeah. <laughs> it is thing we got. Okay, here's more missed tackles. Here's that. Um, and so, you know, in, in terms of seeing the same stuff every week, yeah, uh, it, it can get pretty depressing. And you hope that the next game, the Dolphins game and the Titans game, you hope because in theory, right, what this team should is um, and, and you hope for a performance where they finally put it all together, bring it together for just one game. Are they putting it together for a series of games after this? Um, you know, that is really the thing. And under Brandon Staley, the Chargers have not gone on like a real extended winning streak where they win two or three in a row. Right. Um, so, you know, you can have one great week, maybe against the Dolphins this week, and then they get regressed against the Titans or vice versa. Um, so that's just kind of been the stipulation under this Staley regime, particularly this year with how the games have been played on like, you know, the eight and five year where they lose, you know, one and three in a row last four games um in 2021 but yeah um this season just kind of has gone up and down and it never felt like the chargers really have gotten momentum in the positive direction and it's been a lot of the negative stuff we've talked about unfortunately from week to week so um hope for obviously a turnaround i hope they go four and one in their last five games um as improbable as that is it won't happen but um hoping for that but it just it just feels like the chargers can never get that momentum going uh, in the right direction because of a lot of the, uh, I guess, strategic problems that we've talked about, as well as the, you know, organizational and team problems and injury problems we continuously keep talking about. Yeah. The inconsistency from a week to week game planning perspective is just really frustrating to watch because, you know, I, I think if you go back and you watch San Francisco game, at least the first half, 
you see them do really smart things in regards to a very limited offensive line. It was max protect. It was running the football. It was a uh, screen game. It was play action attempts. And then you bring out basically that same offensive line against the Raiders and Zion Johnson gets hurt and misses like 12 snaps or whatever it ended up being. And it was just continual, you know, dropbacks of, of you know, traditional dropbacks, five steps, seven step dropbacks. And, you're just hanging Justin Herbert out to dry and you're, you're not running the football. Like I talked about on, on Sunday afternoon after the game. So it just was really frustrating. I watching film has always been kind of something that is almost like therapeutic for me. So I, I wanted mm-hmm. to like, make sure I watched it. And there were definitely some positive things that I, I think you could certainly talk about from a player perspective, but it's just really frustrating that in week 13, we're still just seeing, you know, a lack of identity on this team. Like, I don't, I don't know where the Chargers are hanging their hat right now um, on offense and defense. Like, I know what I'm getting from the special teams unit, and that's frankly the best part of the team right now, which is yeah. just sad, you know, from the, like where we have been in the past with this team. Mm-hmm. But offensively, it just feels like, hey, Justin, go be great. Like, hey, Keenan, go beat it, go win a slant, you know, every single other snap, and. You know, hey, Josh Palmer, like, try and keep developing. And Austin Eckler, here's 12, 12 flat routes for you and a couple of screen passes. And it's just it, – it's incredibly frustrating to watch them flounder these opportunities. And, again, if they had just – I don't want to say be smart, right? Like, they're, they're NFL coaches. Like, they're not dumb people, right? But, mm-hmm. um, you know, prepare at a higher level – then they would have been able to beat the Raiders. And then we'd be talking about a very different conversation today with a, a team that has, you know, higher playoff chances than than what this team currently has. So it just, it was such a big missed opportunity on Sunday. And I've just been like so frustrated just thinking about that game and the upcoming games as well. So, uh, you know, obviously I... I want to talk about more positive things. Like I, I would love to cover yeah. a winning franchise again. Like I would love to be able to, you know, go back into 2018 and cover a playoff push and how fun that season was. And, mm-hmm. you know, this season just feels like one big missed opportunity, you know, with every missed opportunity possible within each game. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think what's really just struck me, over the last year and it's around the same time that I left last semester from this island as uh, the last game I watched was Travis Kelsey running through the defense where a bunch of people don't tackle him and oh here come the Chargers they play a really close game but they have a lot of flaws and a lot of injuries that prevent them from playing that close game and then the coaching itself is not that great and a lot of other problems on top of that so where has this team come in a year? And I guess just yeah, from where they've ended last question. season, I feel like they're in the same spot that they were towards the end of last season. I feel like nothing has much has changed. And if things have changed, they tend to gotten worse, you know, except from a couple, you know, individual players who have broken out, Josh Palmer being one of them, of course, um, Trey Pipkin's development earlier in the year. Um, but, you know, aside from some of the individual stories and things that we talk about on this team, it's just been a lot of the same. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of regression in some areas, even you know, on the coaching staff. And you could have felt it in the stands. And this is part of the reason that Kansas City loss really broke me is watching Travis Kelsey you know, score the touchdowns and whatnot. That sucked. But on the final drive that Mahomes had, the stadium couldn't even really like get up and, and cheer and be excited and try to go crazy, you know, and create noise. Like Everyone knew what was going to happen, and we were right. Like Twitter knew, everyone in the building yeah. knew. And granted, it's Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and, and Travis Kelsey. Like, obviously, they're probably going to score anyway. But just feeling like you have a defensive head coach, you have this defense who you know has historically, you know, the Chargers have played okay or, or pretty solid against Patrick Mahomes. You're hoping for something, maybe. And the same is just kind of like we just sat there and watched. There's no belief really in this team at this point in the season or at least even at that game where it's like okay like we're gonna get this done like we're gonna make get a stop or something no you could just you could just tell in the stands and the air was sucked out of that stadium um that's kind of where we're at like i would love a spark of something any kind of hope but there isn't and to get frankly out coached by the raiders and josh mcdaniels who have you know up for most of the season have been a laughing stock 
um, and losing those those close games, like an you know 2020 Anthony Lynn team, to get beaten by them and, and to need that win to increase your playoff odds, to try to avenge your loss from last year when they kicked you out of the postseason, to lose to maybe a slightly less hurt, but still I think an inferior Raiders squad. Like there's just nothing there for me. Like it's, it's just so hard for me to get excited moving forward the rest of the year because it just a couple of soul sucking losses. Do you have something there, Alex? Okay. Yeah, I've definitely felt that this week. And, um, you know, before we dive into this matchup, I do I do want to say, like, there was definitely some positive things that I watched on tape. Um, for me, the first thing that I wanted to, you know, positively shout out, Michael Davis was fantastic, man. Michael Davis was continually in the right positions on Devontae Adams. I thought that he was absolutely the best cover guy against Devontae on Sunday afternoon. Um consistently you know making plays and run support as well um michael davis has has been who we thought that he was going to be last year um you know he's been a really solid cornerback for them and they absolutely have needed that so um you know i wanted to give michael davis a shout out i also want to give morgan fox a shout out because morgan fox has really elevated his play ever since austin johnson has has been injured so Obviously, we know that Morgan Fox has been one of the most efficient pass rushers in terms of defensive tackles, and that has not changed. He's like two pressures away from a career high, which has been really fun to watch. But uh, he was fantastic against the run uh, on Sunday afternoon. So in terms of positive vibes, I do want to shout out those two players because I thought that, frankly, those two players were the best players on the Chargers defense on Sunday against the Raiders. And uh, I feel like they deserve some love for sure. Good. I mean, that's great to hear. And I at least saw it. We could see the last couple of weeks with Morgan Fox because there was a point where his run stop rate was lower than Jerry Tillery's in that <laughs> rotational sort of role. Yeah. So to, to hear that like Austin Johnson gets hurt, Otito gets hurt, Covington gets hurt, and now Morgan Fox has to play a more run-heavy starter kind of role, that should be a bad thing. And, you know, there are moments where it definitely has been, but he has at least stepped up in the playmaking department when it comes to stopping the run. And that's that's really, really huge. Yeah, obviously it hasn't we'll, mattered, but <laughs> <laughs> that's the other thing too. I, I I tweeted this, but I thought Zion Johnson had his best game in terms of pass protection against the Raiders, and it just didn't even make a dent because the pass protection plan was so bad. And you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit here in a second. Like I'm planning to talk about it for you know the game preview. Um, but it, it's just it's frustrating to watch like these individual players like have key moments and have good seasons like Bryce Callahan is having an awesome season and Michael Davis is having a really good season and Morgan Fox is having a really good season and it's like okay like the Chargers are worse on defense than they were last year uh so it's just uh, you know it feels very deflating right now to even like talk about the Chargers in a positive light at all so all right, uh, <laughs> let's dive into this matchup, I guess. Uh, you know, enough ranting, I, I, I guess. Uh, but obviously wanted to, uh, you know, get some things off of our chest. So, uh, Tyler, let's uh, pull up the slideshow for this week. I was looking forward to seeing what <laughs> you would uh, cook up this week for the Miami Dolphins preview. Um, obviously, we're, we're coming to the end of the season, so we're not going to have, you know, a, a full deep dive into the roster, but we'll certainly mention some things and, and talk about who's playing well for the Dolphins, who's a key player and things like that. Um, and obviously, if this is your first rodeo and you're wondering what the hell is going on with the graphic right now, this is just our way of having some fun on the show. So um, let's dive into this coaching staff. First and foremost, uh, really made me miss Frank Smith kind of looking at the this coaching <laughs> yeah. staff. Um, but obviously Mike McDaniel, the head coach, uh, calls plays for the Miami Dolphins has really been able to, to kind of elevate their offense along with Frank Smith, along with Tyreek Hill and all these guys, uh, Tyler, where, what's kind of your, uh, assessment of the way Mike McDaniel has kind of, uh, you know, built the staff as well as obviously performed, you know, through 13 weeks of the season. Yeah. The, um, a team hired a, a genius or a so-called genius, and it actually seems like it's paying off on that side of the ball. Um, that's a great thing. And frankly, he doesn't really have all the horses to get it done. Now, of course, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, Kaseki, all these guys, absolutely. But he's had a lot of work to do, and their offensive line isn't really all that great. Um, yeah. They did the Teron Armstead, which is huge. But he's made it work. And even understanding that offensive line, I was I was looking through this and shocked to see that in terms of you know time to throw, like two is third 
in the NFL in terms of time to throw or in terms of quickest time to throw, I should say, yeah. for release. And if you look at true pass sets, I was just curious because the numbers look so low. Teron Armstead, granted he's missed a game, has had only 87 true pass sets out of the hundreds of whatever snaps that he's had. Granted, he's missed one game. Matt Filer has had 286. And you just see two different coaching philosophies. And I assume it has something to do with the pass protection and understanding what maybe Tua does well and also not wanting to get him killed uh, behind a not-so-great offensive line that wasn't was terrible, terrible last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, their pass-blocking efficiency is about the same as the Chargers. But Herbert's been hit way more. He's been pressured way more. And I feel like their, their scheme and their plan on offense has been really, really solid. And on top of that, they're an elite passing attack right now. Again, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, that definitely helps. But you have to make that work, and they certainly are. And Frank Smith, man, part I, I really just I overestimated how much, or excuse me, underestimated how much he had an influence on this team. Yeah, because you didn't, you didn't see it for very long, and frankly, like you get Corey Lindsley at the time. You know, Matt Filer was a very good guard. You get Rashawn Slater in the first round. You had Odia Bushi. Like, okay, like you should see a pretty good line as is. But you know, they've the Chargers are just a completely different offense, offensive line right now, especially the last three or four games. And you even see the Raiders kind of go out of character to rush the passer in different ways and to blitz um, in ways that they weren't really doing before because people are understanding now that you can take advantage of this offensive line. And someone like Frank Smith, I think, was just a huge part of that, obviously a huge part of the run game as well. The Dolphins have done a really, really good job of getting to it to talent around Tua, having a good, smart head coach, and getting a great offensive coordinator slash, I don't know if he's their, he's not their line coach, but I'm sure there's some influence there. And frankly, haha, frankly, having Frank Smith, I'm sure is a bonus to them. I know, very good. Well done. Uh, You know, it's just been, you know, as a casual fan, like you look at this offense and really outside of Tyreek Hill, it's everybody is, is back from last year. I mean, you can talk about, you know, Trent Sherfield and, and, you know, Jeff Wilson and things like that. Um, But you know, I looked at the way that this team had kind of developed their internal talent. I mean, like the way that they were trying to develop Austin Jackson and Liam Eikenberg and, and all these guys, all these offensive linemen and like switching them positions. And like there was never a home for these guys. And, you know, this year, Frank Smith and Mike McDaniel and all these guys like, you know, Liam Eikenberg is hurt right now. And it's like, holy shit, like Liam Eikenberg is hurt. That's a huge deal. Like it's just been such a big transition for them. And, you know, outside of, of just Tua, like, and, you know, instill, instilling the confidence in him to effectively, you know, do his job and play to his, his potential, you know, they're, they're doing these great things along the offensive line as well. I mean, um, there are certainly some curious decisions, like their decision to franchise tag uh, Mike Kosicki and then, like, not use him is, is a little puzzling to me. Uh, I didn't really understand, like, his fit to, you know, into that scheme, but um you know i think overall this offensive staff you know they hired a lot of smart people and you know frank smith mike mcdaniel like it's just it's a great pairing it's a pairing that almost would have happened with the chargers if uh you know mike cal shanahan had not blocked uh you know that that interview but um you know they're just doing a great job objectively speaking you know i know there's like there's this weird rivalry with the dolphins and the chargers but um the dolphins have done a lot of smart things they're reviving a lot of careers of these young players and uh it's it's something that i don't want to say i'm jealous of but i I am kind of jealous of it Mm -hmm. yeah no absolutely and i just want to say there is that kind of feud with with fans right now but honestly especially as someone who had Tua higher than herbert in the the draft (laughs) process i'm so happy for tua i'm so happy for everything that is going his way this year. I mean, he's he's number one in Pro Bowl voting right now. Um, I don't think he makes All Pro by any means or Second Team All Pro, but he's in the discussion. And hell, like compared to where he was his first year, the second year, like nobody really saw that coming. And I didn't have the Dolphins making the playoffs, even though you could see all the talent around them. It all came down to Tua, and it's working. Whatever they're doing, not that I've watched every game by any means. But it's working, and I'm, I'm so happy for him. And he even said in that interview, like, he, he wondered if he sucked. He's like, do I suck? Am yeah. I a terrible football player? Because the front office doesn't want me. And he's even said 
the fans made him feel like he sucked, which is hilarious because now they're all toxic and going out of their way to defend him. You know, but he, there was a point where he just felt like I must be I must be a terrible quarterback. No one believes in me. And this coach walks in and goes, no, here's all these plays, you know, hundreds of hundreds of hours or plays or whatever it is uh, that I believe in you. This is where you're really good. And now they're fifth in EPA per play, eighth in points per game, and they're headed to the postseason. And they're probably going to whoop my chargers on Sunday night football. So honestly, you know, of course, I want the chargers to win, but I, like, good for Tua and good for them. Seriously, I am really, really happy for him. Yeah, one of my best friends from college, Josh, is uh, is a Dolphins fan, and me and him obviously have have talked about a lot of things, you know, this season. And uh, you know, as Reality Check points out, it's it's a lot of you know the propaganda and the way that they are talked about versus like actually having beef with the Dolphins. And I felt you know a very similar way last year with the Bengals, and it's just like the way that you know their quarterbacks were talked about versus our quarterback. And I understand that, um, but I I think Tua. You know, he had all these crazy injuries and then, you know, his first season he was getting, you know, benched in the middle of games. And then basically his coach was just like openly talking shit about him as a rookie. Uh, It was just kind of a disaster. And so, like you said, I feel like, you know, this is a story that you feel good about. I, you know, I, I certainly don't think that he is, you know, he's like second in the league in EPA per drop back right now. And he's like on a historically good pace. I don't think he's that kind of quarterback. Um, but I think you like, I, you know, I said this during the draft. I think you can absolutely win with two at quarterback. Like you can win with, you know, a Kirk Cousins, a Jimmy G, if things are right around him. And it certainly seems that things are right and around them this year. Um, so moving on to the defense a little bit here, we can kind of dive into this uh, you know, personnel a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Boyer was on the staff with Brian Flores. So he was kind of the holdover. He was somebody that this uh, regime was, very interested in keeping around the, the results have been a little mixed this year, as opposed to, to years past, obviously they go out and make the big swing for Bradley Chubb to kind of help swing things. But the, the, the defensive cohesiveness has just not been there at the level that I think they would have hoped heading into the season. It hasn't really mattered because their offense is just like lighting it up every single week. Um, you know, as Tyler has pointed out here, they're 17th in EPA per play. They're 25th in points per game. Um, their pressure statistics, which I was going to dive into a little bit more, very similar to the chargers. They blitz a lot, don't get pressure a lot. So kind of a mixed bag there. Although obviously that's something to be concerned about for the chargers this week, depending on who plays. Um, but they still have a lot of talented dudes on that side. You know, Xavier Howard, you're talking about Melvin Ingram is playing for this team. Christian Wilkins is, is playing some good ball. Uh, Jerome Baker is a, a quality linebacker. So they haven't like put it all together yet but i still think that there's enough talent here on the the dolphins defensive side of the ball to to make me be concerned about this matchup right they're they're dangerous at least like you said man like the defense hasn't been great but the offense has been awesome so you don't even really have to talk about that i'm sure dolphins fans do but you know it's all about oh look at this offense oh they're winning it's so great i wish you know like you said i wish the chargers had at least one identity somewhere where the other side of the ball didn't matter as much and we're eight and four and that's great but anyway Good for the Dolphins. Um, Jalen Phillips is doing very, very well. I believe he's top like eight in pressures, win rate, and productivity, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I was, he was my number one guy. Um, of course, he was most people's number one guy um, coming out that year. And hey, I'm happy for him. That, that's awesome. I know there were some concerns about concussion history and whatnot, but it seems like he's really turned it on. So good for him. Yeah, I know people are kind of talking about obviously Bradley Chubb and Melvin Ingram, who I mentioned, but mm-hmm. uh, Jalen Phillips has been their most consistent pass rusher this year. And, uh, you know, he's developing into the guy that I think everybody kind of who who liked him in the draft is, has uh, was hoping that he would. So, mm-hmm. uh, again, they do a lot of blitzing um, as we can <laughs> have on the screen here. Yep. So he gets a lot of one-on-one matchups, but, you know, he's he's doing his job. He's taking advantage of those matchups for sure. Yeah, 100%. I don't know how much we want to get into free agency in the draft. There's not much of a draft. <laughs> Sorry, we're trying to we're trying to get Alex back in here. Uh, you know, had a little bit of uh, technical difficulties there, but uh, trying to multitask and get him back in here as well. Um, all right, so um, you know, obviously we're going to talk about free agency. A lot of big moves on offense. Tyree Kill, Connor Williams, uh, who's actually been one of the the best centers in the league uh, so far this year. Um, Chase Edmonds kind of replaced by Jeff Wilson, Teron Armstead, Raheem Mostert, Thomas Morstead, the punter, Alec Ingold, one of the rare fullbacks who plays a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then obviously Melvin Ingram. And they just signed uh, Eric Fisher 
to kind of combat the losses of uh, Teron Armstead and Austin Jackson. So, uh, Tyler, who's kind of stood out to you? I mean, obviously, Tyree Kill has been fantastic, <laughs> but uh, who else has kind of stood out to you from a, a, an addition to the Dolphins this year? I completely forgot that they signed Alec Ingold. Again, I don't watch a ton of Dolphins football unless it just happens to be on and they're playing someone interesting. But Alec Ingold, man, he was a very, very good fullback. And I'm kind of, you know, well, I'm not bummed that watched the Raiders let him go. But I, I, I mean, after the Chargers, the team I watched the most next is the Raiders. And Ingold was a really good fullback. And of course, you have this system where, you know, you need a fullback in this system. Obviously, he's no Kyle Juszczyk, but he's pretty darn good. And I'm sure the Chargers would have benefited from, from having someone. And looking at Alec Ingold, I realized that one of the players that I wish the Chargers, of course, had retained was Steven Anderson, which I'm sure would have fixed plenty of issues uh, on offense this year, although certainly not all of them. Um, so that's kind of where my brain was at when I saw that. I don't know why Alec Ingold was the guy that stood out. <laughs> I don't know. But it just, hey, man, if you have a system that needs a fullback, you get a good fullback. And it's clearly everything you know, seems to be working on offense. That's a good move. I mean, you're, you're clearly just a big fullback guy. I mean, we, we got Derek Watt on the show, you Don't know, a couple of years ago, Bobby Holly, Steven Anderson. So you're, you're clearly just a big fullback guy. And uh, it's a shame that the Chargers don't use their fullback really ever anymore. Yeah, I was actually about I was, I was thinking about that. I haven't paid attention to snap counts. Is Xander just not? It's like three or four snaps a game. Like it, they just like they're not using him at all anymore, which like. It's so strange to me because the first couple of games, it was like, yeah, exactly. Here's 15 snaps of Xander Horvath. Here's yeah. a couple of touchdowns. And it was like, this is awesome. Like, this guy's <laughs> going to be a huge part of the season. And now he can't get on the field. Great. So, obviously, Alex is back. Alex, welcome uh, back into the show. Obviously, talking about the uh, Dolphins free agency, who kind of stands out to you about, you know, an addition that they made or uh, obviously one of the notable losses as well. Yeah, um, I mean, Tyreek Hill is obviously the big one uh, in terms of how that has completely changed their offense. But even just the, I mean, smaller ones, uh, Raheem Boster adding him into the fold in terms of what this Mike McDaniel, you know, run game is. And then, oh, they get another San Francisco running back in acquiring Jeff Wilson at the trade deadline, who has become uh, a fantasy and real life monster sort of for the Dolphins here. So, you know, they just have a bunch of different ways that they can attack you on offense. And, oh, don't forget, they have Mike Kosicki, who's one of the better, you know, I, I mean, receiving and blocking tight ends in the, league, uh, in the league. Not an elite tight end by any means, but very serviceable. Um, and so, overall, in terms of what they lost, I felt like they just, you know, pretty much recouped value outside of maybe losing Mac Hollins. But then last game, you know, in a couple of games, they've had Trent Sherfield, who has really balled out. Uh, and is yeah. you know presents some of the similar speed threats um, that you know we would kind of want the Chargers to have, uh, and maybe a guy that they sort of did sort of have in like a Jalen Guyton, um, but Sherfield's a little bit more shifty in space. So I mean, uh, overall the Dolphins. I mean, one of the reasons I think their offense is so successful is they just have a bunch of guys that can kill you. Uh, in terms of speed, they are an explosive way. They're an explosive play away from happening every play. Um, and yeah. so in terms of the offense that they've constructed, they've gotten a better offensive line. They now have explosive weapons. Like it's it's very easy to see why, you know, Tua has taken the leap in EPA that he has and why the Dolphins offense as a whole um, has taken the leap that it has as well. Yeah, it's been really interesting to see like the differences that Mike, Mike McDaniel has kind of taken from you know the san francisco offense obviously you know he was with kyle shanahan forever um and you know in san francisco really it's 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 yards after catch yards after contact but it's it's more so like they're fast but it's almost it's more so from a physicality standpoint like george kittle Debo samuel brandon you got those guys are just great at breaking tackles and then you know you get into miami and what kind of their additions have been in personnel decisions obviously you're talking about Jalen waddle tyreek hill trent sherfield just dudes who are straight fast. And then obviously, oh, we got the puppy. Cute. Um, and then obviously, you know, Raheem Mostert, one of the fastest running backs in the league too. So a um, lot of good speed from the uh, Dolphins offense. It's obviously something that uh, the Chargers are going to have to, you know, pay big attention to. Yeah, and they might have to do it without Derwin James. <laughs> yeah, we didn't really talk about the injury report yet. Uh, we'll kind of save that for later, but yeah, um yeah. You know, uh, quick super uh, super chat from Michael DeFries. Uh He says, you guys do good work. My vibe is bad, too. 
Moss was soul crushing. <laughs> I'm officially done with Lombardi. So uh, appreciate the super chat. You know, uh, you know, we're glad that we can uh, provide an outlet for for some of you, and hopefully, you guys uh, appreciate all the effort that we put into this show. Yes, my uh, slides go dolphin presentation. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Tyler mentioned the draft class. It's not a ton. I don't think I don't think any of these guys are really even playing for them. I mean, Skylar Thompson's been, uh, you know, their third string quarterback. He has started a few games for them. Uh, I feel like I, I don't even think that any of these other guys have really played a whole lot. I'm pretty sure Eric Ezukama is like a healthy scratch each week. Hmm. Um, you know, Channing Tindall was somebody that I really liked a lot, but um, don't think he's a starter for them by any means. So. Finally got to a, a draft class where the Chargers are, are blowing them out of the water. <laughs> Finally. We made it. <laughs> all they had to do is trade all their assets. Not three. <laughs> I mean, oh, the Dolphins dude. are getting better value out of Skylar Thompson right now than we ever got out of Houston Stick. So, I mean, that's you know, very true. That. that is very, very He's true. He's developing. He's getting there. <laughs> I'm gonna actually watch some backup quarterback uh, draft film this year, so uh, that's Dear gonna be God. fun. <laughs> <Dear God. laughs> uh, all right, I think that's it from the uh, Miami slide. So mm-hmm. we uh, we'll dive into the a bit more of the specifics of this matchup. Um, obviously, as we do every single week, <laughs> uh, we're gonna try and be positive in this regard for a victory formation segment. We'll see what kind of happens and how this goes, but. Um, Alex, we'll start with you here. Uh, what is the one thing that you need to see the Chargers do uh, in order to secure a victory formation on Sunday Night Football? Uh, pass rush, please. Thank, please, God. Um, I mean, look, it's partially how the Niners beat the Dolphins last week. Um, you know, now they have a Nick Bosa and our Bosa is currently missing. Uh, so there, that's a small complication, small wrinkle in the plan. But you just have to get some semblance of pass rush pressure on them. I mean, you know, overall, the Niners didn't have a dominant pressure game necessarily by any means. I believe overall they had 14 pressures in the game. Um, but when they had pressures, they made them count. Uh, they made two yeah. a hurry out of the pocket. They brought him down three times. Uh, Nick Bosa did. Uh, and so this is kind of a big game, I think, for Khalil Mack, who I mean, we'll talk about a lot throughout the week. But, you know, they just need to get at least. 10 plus pressures at the minimum uh, on Tua and make them effective pressures as well because Tua has been a very different quarterback when he's been under that consistent pressure. Um, and so this is kind of going to be a test of the Dolphins' offensive line as well. Um, but for a Chargers team, you, like you just cannot have the pass rush pressure be nearly as anemic against Derek Carr or as it was against Derek Carr last week. And if you do that against Tua, Tua has the weapons to make you pay for it. Uh, in comparison to what Derek Carr has. And Derek Carr has Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs, which are, are by no means shabby toys to play with, and Matt Collins. Um, you know, Tua has that to the nth degree, if you want to say that, in terms of having Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, in terms of the long developing plays that that can turn into, in addition to having, oh, just Trent Sherfield and Mike Kosicki, and then, like, all of these running backs and Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. So, like, <laughs> they have so many ways, like I just, you know, talked about that, they can kill you that if you're not going to get pass rush pressure, two is going to find a check down Two is going to, you know, open it up downfield after, you know, cornerback falls over. Um, like something's going to happen. Uh, you know, if you let these long developing plays happen and Tua, when he's not pressured is, you know, arguably a top five EPA quarterback in the league this year. Um, and so at this point, uh, the Chargers just, it's kind of a, you know, winner go home game, like in terms of the pass rush, it's a winner go home game in general. Um, but if we don't get better than tied for 53rd in the league, Khalil Mack, or tied for 87th in the league, Chris Rumpf, or tied for 111th in the league, Kyle Van Noy this week, then the Chargers can kiss all of their hopes of the Oh, you muted yourself right no, at the sorry. end. Sorry. Yeah, well, I just said they could kiss their hopes of the playoffs goodbye if they get those performances, so. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. You know, I, I listen to Benjamin Solak and uh, Shoka Pani on the ringer every single Monday. They do fantastic work. I definitely recommend, you know, checking them out. And one of the things that uh, Ben Solak was talking about and, and how the Niners were so successful um, against the Dolphins this week, obviously their defense is incredible against everybody. Um, but something that he pointed out, that Next Gen Stats kind of pointed out, you know, the, the, the 49ers had their highest rate of press man coverage 
and their highest blitz rate of the season against the Miami Dolphins on Sunday. And it worked to, you know, obviously great success. And so conventional wisdom in terms of defending the, the Dolphins has, has really kind of been drop back, try and get seven, eight guys into coverage, play zone coverage and try and, you know, put a roof on the top of their, their passing game. But if you go back and look at like the defenses that have had the most success against them, it's the defenses that have blitzed them a lot, and it's the defenses that have done press man coverage a lot. And so, um, basically, you know, people are going to say like you don't want to you know match up one on one in this kind of situation. But I think you kind of have to take chances, and you're trying to make Tua, uh, you know, force him into some errors that he hasn't really committed this season. You're trying to to make more plays as opposed to trying to not get beat. And I think we've seen the Chargers do that a little bit, uh, especially against the Chiefs. Obviously, in the first game, it worked better than the second game. Um, you know, But they've really kind of cranked up their, their blitz rate, cranked up their man coverage rate when people are kind of, you know, against offenses that are traditionally you, you play zone against these teams. So I am curious if the Chargers do uh mix it up a little bit more obviously derwin james being injured is, is would make this kind of a moot point but um you know if they're really able to heat two up i think that is a big key to this weekend's matchup yeah. for sure uh, and i would also say it's you know sort of what they did in the niners game as well um in addition to the chiefs game right where you know maybe on third down jimmy garoppolo is going to burn you and you get it to brendan Ayuk because derwin came to blitz and you know he was wide open right but like you have to take those chances like steven said because if you're not using derwin in exotic blitz packages if you're not bringing drew tranquil up if you're not doing any of these things then the defensive line that they currently have constructed just isn't going to get enough requisite pressure yeah that really altogether was going to be my victory formation point here is that the chargers just need to take those chances season's on the line it's over if you don't win it's basically over it really is over if they don't win this game and i get you you want to play really efficient you know offense and that's great but it's not working we want to play really you know keep a lid on it let's play some really efficient you know make them drive defense but that's not working you're going to have to try to take some swings. This Dolphins team's going to beat you. I'm not picking you to win, Chargers, and no one really thinks you're going to win at home against this Dolphins team, um, even though they were kind of coming off um, a loss to the Niners. You watched, or I didn't watch, but watching you know Tim Jenkins break down the quarterback play and Tua versus the Niners from that game, you could see the Dolphins had a lot of plays that were open, and just for whatever reason, things were just off by a hair, but that's a team that could have scored 30-something, no problem. They just have missed some opportunities, which kind of sounds like what happened with the Chargers in that same game against the 49ers. Um, and also missing, you know, Toronto Armstead's going to be huge. Uh, but the Chargers just have to break free of your identity. Like, you're, you're going to get, like, Joe Lombardi's going to get fired. At this point, like, he's getting fired. Whether Staley returns or not, he basically has to be gone. But if you want to keep your job, you got to try something else. And Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen are rewarding you with kind of some schoolyard bullshit plays right now. I'm not saying draw that up, sure. but you've got to try something. If you want to try Khalil Mack rushing over the A-gap again and Kyle Van Noy doing that, awesome. Try that. Do something. If it's Derwin blitzing, if it's JT Woods blitzing, cool. If we're trying some crazy, we're just going to throw a deep, fuck it and chuck it offense, fine. <laughs> but you just have to try something different. The same old Chargers this year are not winning games and they're not beating good teams you're not going to beat this good team by being the same old selves and especially without Corey lindsley without pipkins obviously without slater it's not going to happen especially without derwin james so just go for it this is it season's on the line so you have to live with the risky situations i know you want to be an efficient offense and defense it's not working try something different yeah i I think you know you're playing with house money this week like like tyler's talking about nobody expects you to win um, nobody expects you to have a good defensive performance. Nobody expects you to have a good offensive performance. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what this coaching staff is made of, right? Like, I think they have been better this season when their backs are against the wall. And I, I, I hope that they are feeling that kind of way this week. So, um, you know, they did some cool little, they've done some cool little wrinkles right throughout the season. Like the Derwin blitzing stuff has been really fun to watch. And Sunday they, they had, Khalil Mack lineup as a stand-up rusher like that's cool but they only did it the one time it's like okay like this is a game where you throw the kitchen sink at this offense right like I I frankly don't care if you give up some big plays if you are taking chances right like if you're really trying to heat up Tua 
and it just doesn't work, like I can live with that because you're actually trying to heat him up. So, uh, you know, they've really gotten away from that recently in terms of the Derwin stuff. I don't think he even blitzed at all this past week. Maybe some of that is a little bit injury related, but, um, you know, this, this, this Dolphins offensive line is not a unit that, that should scare you. This is a Dolphins offensive line that you should try and heat up. So, um, my thing here, I've talked about it all season long. You know, a few weeks ago, I, I talked about how the run game was going to be something that really kind of defined the Chargers season. And the Chargers have not run the ball at all. They are statistically one of the worst rushing attacks in the league. And a lot of that, frankly, in my opinion, is that they just do not care about the run game. Joe Lamardi does not want to run the football. And, uh, you know, shout out to uh, Tyler's mom real quick. Big super sticker, as always. Um, this is absolutely a game where you have to run the ball, like, at least 25 times, in my opinion. Like, this is a Miami offense that you try and want to disrupt. And, obviously, we talked about the defensive side of that thing. But I think this is a game where you want to play ball control a little bit and, obviously, extend drives and, and run the football. Joshua Kelly has been really effect really effective, really efficient as a runner since coming back. He's been that way all season. And, you know, he had six design, six design runs against the Las Vegas Raiders last week. And Austin Eckler had nine. You know, 15, 15 design runs is not going to cut it in these games. And I'm not asking for you to go full 50-50 split. I, I think that's not the smart approach, right? With Justin Herbert at quarterback. But you got to give me like a 60-40 or like a, a 65-35 as opposed to like an 80-20. So um, I need to see Joshua Kelly get more involved. I need to see Austin Eckler get more design runs. It was really frustrating watching that film because they were actually running the ball well, well-ish relative to the Chargers. And then it was just like, didn't they didn't care. Like they, they just abandoned the run game completely. So um, to me the way that the Dolphins kind of will approach this game is they're going to try and do the same things that the Cardinals and the Raiders and the Chiefs have done. And they're going to do a lot of sim pressures. They're going to blitz a lot. They're going to try and confuse the Chargers offensive line. And those teams have been successful in doing that. So one of the biggest ways to combat this kind of pressure and these kind of sim pressure looks is to run the football. And, you know, this is absolutely a game for me where I'm, I'm trying to protect my offensive line. I'm trying to protect Justin Herbert. And I think you absolutely have to run the football and really like establish the run game uh, in this matchup in order to be successful on offense. Yeah. And in addition to Joshua Kelly, I mean, I'd like to see some Isaiah Spiller too. Uh, um, I mean, I think last game was the first game that we had uh, Isaiah Spiller is active, but he didn't get any touches. Uh, didn't look like he got any meaningful offensive snaps either. Uh, from what I saw. And so, I mean, you know, he had a couple flashes uh, in the games, you know, leading up to this one. So, I, I mean, I, I'd like to see him get involved as well. More touches for Drew Kelly, of course, with how efficient he's been. Um, so just as a whole, more running the ball, but even more specific looks for the guys uh, behind Eckler too. Yeah, uh, zero snaps for Isaiah Spiller on offense last week. Yeah, I don't mind him being the RB3 by any means, but, I mean, you drafted him. I don't know whose <laughs> call that was, but it would be nice to use him. Yeah, and like I said, you know, they were actually running the ball well. They were blocking mm -hmm. well. It was, to me, like one of their, you know, best run game performances in terms of the offensive line, and uh, just there was zero effort in, you know, relying on that, and that, to me, just doesn't make any sense when you have – the kind of injuries that the Chargers are yeah. dealing with. So sounds like it's going to be Foster Sarrell again this week. You know, you're going to be asking him to to live on an island again against Jalen Phillips and Melvin Ingram and, and Bradley Chubb. Like, that's, that's just not how you successfully call plays. So uh, maybe Corey Lindsley comes back. And to me, like, that's that's absolutely a game where you you run the football. So, uh, all right, we'll, we'll uh, jump into some key matchups here. Tyler, what's your uh, biggest matchup you're focusing in on for Sunday Night Football? It's the entire offensive line versus whoever whoever's playing versus whoever's rushing, as boring yeah. as that sounds, because it's been so rough watching this Chargers offensive line, whether it's communication, whether it's injuries, whether it's Jerry Tillery blowing past Brendan Jaimes for three pressures on or yeah, but like six pressures on the day Jerry Tillery had. I think four of them in like one drive, it felt like. Yeah. They just have to do a better job of protecting the quarterback. And if that's just pure execution, great. If that's scheme, fine. If that's also just rolling him out, great. But 
I mean, that's what I'll be watching. I, I didn't think we'd be at a point where Herbert would be, I think, the second most pressured quarterback in the league. But here we are. Like, this is where we're at. And, and for them to have any chance in this game, Herbert's got to stay clean. It's amazing what Herbert looked like. If he's not being rolled out and moved, what the difference is for him when he's got a clean pocket. I know it's so boring. Protect the quarterback. Quarterback plays well. You win games. But it's been so difficult for the Chargers. It's been awful for them the last three or four games. Some of it just because they've been sending the house against the Cardinals. But mm-hmm. the Dolphins are going to do it again. They blitz the eighth most. Can you pick it up? Can you at least not make extreme mental errors in this game? That's it for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in terms of like whether can win this game or not, I mean, I'm going to be picking them to lose either way. But Corey Lindsley, I mean, I think <laughs> is the biggest piece in terms of whether they can swing 100%. to a win or not. Because if it's starting again, and you know, you have a Zion Johnson injury mid game, and then well, <laughs> Brendan Imus has to come in, right? Like Corey Lindsley just leads so much of the communication. Um, and you can see that just from, uh, in terms of the offensive lineups that offensive line lineups that have been thrown out there in different combinations. Um, it's just always worked best when he's on the field, regardless of who's out there with him. I don't think Pippins is obviously going to play this game as a DNP uh, and practice this uh, today, at least. So we'll see how that progresses throughout the week. Probably not going to play. Uh, not expected to practice then, yeah, tomorrow. Big, probably, yeah, how, how Zion kind of recovering from yeah, and then how Zion kind of recovering from his injury, um, you know, in, at this point, you know, it seems like he's going to go. Uh, and then, you know, you sort of have to, the problems you're dealing with the rest, the, the rest of the line, right? How does Jamari Salier bounce back, Matt Filer, and, you know, what this season has been like for him. So, yeah, I, I Tyler, that the game is just a big offensive line game in general. And, you know, specifically, I think the big problem or the big issue will be Corey Lindsley. Um I'm going to go for my key matchup. Uh, it's kind of an easy one, but Keenan Allen versus Xavier Howard. Um, uh, you know, this is going to be an interesting game in that regard. You, I think Keenan Slayer this week, uh, both rightfully and wrongfully so. I, I don't think this has been a banner for season for Keenan by any means. Obviously, he's been injured coming back in and coming back out the lineup. Um, but he had some trouble with Amik Robertson this week. Uh, and you know, part of that was just the pressure that was constantly in Herbert's face, and he got his fair share of wins too, like the big touchdown, obviously, uh, on that fourth and twelve. But Keenan Allen, I, I I don't have any yards per route run stats from this year, but obviously was you know regressed pretty heavily in that regard last year. Um, so I would imagine that the yards per route run probably have gone down again this year. So and just in terms of being able to win one on one matchup. Like that's what Joel, whether we like it or not, has predicated this offense around is just being able to beat your guy one on one. And Keenan Allen has kind of gone in and out of doing that this year, depending on the game and depending on his injury status. You know, Mike Williams coming off of an injury probably will be back this week uh, if we want to say that. But, you know, Mike Williams is not the guy who's necessarily going to create a whole, whole lot of separation of himself. That's not what his game is based around so they kind of rely on Keenan Allen and Josh Palmer and all these guys you know sort of winning their one-on-one matchups consistently getting separation you know Keenan Allen's the guy that you count on to do that especially against Xavier who you know isn't having the best season by any means compared to you know what Xavier Howard seasons have been in the past in terms of being a ball hawk um, just looking at PFF right now only as one interception on the year overall 0.6 rating uh, for the season, so not an elite corner matchup, but Xavier Howard can obviously turn it on for any game with how good he is. Um, so I'll let, I'll like to see what Keenan has coming into this game, and considering the spacing problems that they have on offense and Joe Lombardi's predication to running stick, um, I think that this game will come down to a lot of one-on-one matchups, and one that I'm looking at. Yeah, um, you know, to your point, I'm, I am curious to see if the Dolphins do allow Xavier Howard to to shadow, you know, Keenan Allen. Obviously, Keenan does a lot of his work out of the slot. Um, if it's not Xavier Howard, you know, their main slot corner has been uh, Kadur Kahu, I think is how you say it, uh, undrafted free agent um, out of Texas A&M Commerce uh, from this past season. So I, I literally did not even know that this guy was on the roster, let alone their starting slot corner. 
Um, his numbers are okay. You know, I don't think he's like a complete scrub by any means, but that was definitely a surprise to see that that was who their main slot corner was. So uh, definitely curious to see how they kind of approach matching up with Keenan. Obviously, Keenan did not have a banner day against the Raiders. Uh, the separation numbers were not, you know, what we've kind of come to expect out of Keenan Allen, but uh, this could be a big game opportunity for him this this week. Uh, and the Chargers sh- should absolutely try and get him going early and often. So um, there are a couple different, you know, ways I think you can kind of go about, you know, individual key matchups. You know, Greg Little uh, will be playing left tackle for the Miami Dolphins. He's one of the worst tackles in the league in terms of pass blocking efficiency rating at 94.8, uh, which is uh, lower than Storm Norton was last year. So um, that's where their left tackle is play play is at without Teron Armstead. So um, that absolutely should be a, a key matchup for Khalil, uh, Khalil Mack. But I think in also in addition to obviously getting Keenan Allen going, I really want to see more diversity from what the Chargers are doing with Gerald Everett and Austin Eckler in the passing game. Um, I think they're really kind of living on flat routes and screens and things like that. And, you know, Gerald Everett's having a career season for sure. You know, Austin Eckler is like third in the league in receptions at this point. Um, But I think you really have to attack this Miami linebacker core, this Miami safety group, um, and really kind of challenge them in the middle of the field. It's not it's not an area that the Chargers have done very often this year. Um, But when we've seen Gerald Everett kind of work crossing routes and post routes and Austin Eckler on angle routes and things like that, you know, we've seen them be successful. So um, in, in terms of the Miami side of things, you know, Jerome Baker, Eric Rowe, Brandon uh, Jones are kind of their main three in terms of, you know, linebacker and safety coverage guys. None of them are any, they're not tomato cans back there, but they are, they're not like super effective players either. Um, so that is an, an area of the field that I think you absolutely have to attack this week more so than we've seen in the past. Yeah. And then defend the post. I believe, I think it was Arjun retweeted that the Jalen Waddle post route is like a top five route in the league right now. Granted, yeah. I think he's only had somewhere like 14 or 17 catches, um, only 14 or 17 catches um, in the <laughs> post. But, you know, still, obviously, they're going to try to run that. And <laughs> again, I Derwin James might play um, or at least he'll be hurt. We have Nasir Adderley, you know, this Hello, team's going to flicker. Uh, JT Woods, uh, I don't know. So... Yeah, you're going against the one of the best routes in the league right now, the most efficient, explosive routes in the league, which is Jalen Waddle running a post. And you'll do that with Adderley, Gilman, and Woods probably this weekend. So that is a huge matchup. Yeah, Nasir Adderley was awful on Sunday against the Raiders, in case anyone was wondering. So um, I wasn't wondering, but I'm not surprised. <laughs> uh, you know, again, you know, the, the Miami Dolphins, they attack the middle of the field on offense more than anybody else in the league right now. That's been kind of one of the reasons why they're so successful. That was one of the reasons why the Niners were so good against them, because Fred Warner is an absolute beast and uh, one of the best players in the NFL. So, um, you know, that's obviously not something the Chargers have. So. In terms of Derwin James, he is on the injury report right now. He does have, uh, I think it's a, sh- a quad injury. Um, Brandon Staley was, did not comment if it was serious or not. He said that we will see. So Yeah, great. That, uh-huh. was, the, that was the comment for me. Yeah. Uh, if he doesn't play, then uh, I, there's, there's no way this defense is stopping anything on uh, Sunday night. So uh, hopefully Derwin is, is okay. Vote for him for uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year. Obviously, we're doing a, a jersey giveaway for him in order to uh, try and raise some votes as well. So check out our uh, Twitter profile there. Get a win somewhere, guys. You can do it for free. <laughs> you know, we really rallied behind Isaac Rochelle for when he was the nominee. Like, I feel like we should absolutely make Derwin James. <laughs> Derwin James. Uh, yeah. You know, I think he probably deserves it a little bit more than Isaac Rochelle. No shade or anything like that, but. Uh, you know, Derwin obviously uh, been a fantastic player this year and, uh, you know, having a great season. Yeah. Hopefully if Derwin offers to give away signed helmets, he'll at least follow through. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I never got my uh, signed helmet from Isaac Rochelle. So, uh, you know, it's been fun. It's all right. He's doing well in Cleveland, I guess. Yeah. He announces his own signings every time he gets signed somewhere. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to the Browns. He just got on Twitter. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to the Colts. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, I think we'll save our bold predictions for Saturday. Are you guys cool with that? That's fine by me. All right. Sounds good. So, um, Alex, any final thoughts before we uh, head out for the evening? Yeah. Uh, I mean, last thing on kind of what Stephen was saying there in terms of using Eckler and Everett. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it feels weird because it feels like Joe Lombardi, who was the same offensive coordinator last year, obviously found more efficient ways to use somebody like a Jared Cook and use somebody like an Austin Eckler in the receiving game pretty consistently, um, especially Jared Cook towards the end of the year. Uh, and then this year, it's just been, oh, screen. And then if not, then nothing yeah. in the middle of the field um, With when it comes to those two players. So that has been particularly frustrating to watch in the offense. Um, I am rooting for the Chargers. Hope that they win. Uh, big mistake to go away from the color rush this week. Uh, you were 5-1. and one. It was an easy layup victory. But hopefully, they pull out a win in the powder blue. It will be a pretty jersey matchup because the Dolphins jerseys are nice, too. Uh, but hopefully we don't get embarrassed in prime time again. Yep. I, uh, will not be going to that game. Not because I, well, I also don't want to go to that game, but also <laughs> I can't go to that game regardless. Um, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's close and respectable, but I feel like it's a win-win. If it's a win, great. If it's a loss, you know, we're one more, we're, we're lost closer to actually having some change potentially with his coaching staff. So I guess that's a positive either way. <laughs> Such a sad reality that we're living yeah. in right now. Uh-huh. Uh, again, you know, their playoff chances would be about 65% right now if they had beaten the the Raiders. Uh, and instead, you know, this is where we're at. So, um, you know, obviously we'll have you guys covered. You know, we're going to continue to do this. I mean, we covered the season of hell from 2020. Uh, so we will continue to uh, make sure you guys are well-informed, you know, with these matchups, with everything like that. So uh, we'll continue to put forth our best effort in the, in preparation of the show. Hopefully you guys appreciate it. Hopefully you guys are, uh, you know, sticking with us as well. So, um, you know, that's going to do it for us tonight. Again, we do uh, hope anyone listening would leave us a rating or a view. Uh, If you are watching right now, make sure to like uh, subscribe, turn those notifications on all that good stuff. So um, that's going to do it. We'll see you guys next time.